at one point, I mean, we're on the backside of Hope's Pass. There's probably like 10, 10 of us like stacked up right behind each other. Mm-hmm. No one's saying a word. I mean, it's just complete, utter silence, mm-hmm. and it's just a steep hike. And I was just thinking, like, this is, this is the death march. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where I bring you candid conversations with elite athletes, entrepreneurs, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these dialogues, you will hear powerful stories and practical advice that will help you live a more active and intentional life. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Zero Quit Podcast. Today, I'm here with Joey Muccio. He's an airline pilot, athlete, content creator based in St. Petersburg, Florida. Let's go. And about a month ago, like four years, or not four years, four weeks, almost to the date, you finished up your hardest feat to date, the Leadville 100 Ultra Marathon. Yeah, buddy. This guy finished it, got it done. An unlikely underdog story. <laughs> that's right, the unknown runner. The so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we're talking about under unknown runner, all the like little quirks to it, the planning, um, the walk. You know what, what you kind of walked away with as far as lessons and and, and thoughts from it, um, and also your training for that. So, what was the catalyst for you even starting to do the race in the first place? Why did you even think about maybe I'll do a hundred mile race? So I didn't know what the Leadville 100 was through yeah. through Nick Bear, honestly, through yeah. like watching his his YouTube videos. And then obviously you're an ultra runner. Like we talked about ultras a little bit. Yeah. But then I started working with Koros. I just ran my first marathon. Yeah. And then I was making videos for Koros. And we hopped on a call to just for like the next month's video. Yeah. And they were like, we're just wondering like if you would want to run the Leadville 100. Like we have a spot for you if you want to do it. Yeah. And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, you want did me? Did they have any like, reservations to- or did they did- – did they just kind of full send it in terms of a spot? Like, or? did they have any doubt or like, were they fully confident? Like, Oh, this is something Joey can definitely do. Like, were they like super encouraging about it or did they, were they just kind of threw it out there? You know, they like threw it out there and like, it seemed like they were confident in me, which I, I wasn't very confident in me yeah. at that. I was like, you want me to run? I've only ran one marathon, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> I was when like, was that marathon? That was like December or January, so okay. it was it was yeah I guess like six months prior yeah to to the Leadville, but I was like man they were like they were like all right like after I said yes then they were like all right sweet like they were like we tricked them you know yeah, we tricked yeah. them to do this they were like we'll help you you know we have a plan for it yeah. and, and we'll help you with like nutrition and planning and stuff and I was like. All right. I was like, I have to start running because after the marathon, I stopped running. Like I yeah. wasn't running very much at all. Maybe 10, 10 miles a week, you know, just cruising, just kind of cruising, like yeah. running three days a week. Yeah. And I was like, I got to start running like today. So that day I ran like six miles and I may have called you. I called a couple of people and I was like, I'm doing the level. Yeah, you, well, you text me and you're like, Hey, Koros is thinking about me doing this race. What do you think? And I was like, Dude, I was like, like, it's a really hard race. You have very little experience. With that said, I was like, it's a really cool opportunity. And, you know, usually it's hard to get into some of these premier races, whether it's Western States, Leadville, uh, whatever it is. And it's usually like a lottery system or qualifying, which these amateur runners like you and I are. We're not qualifying. Yeah. Um, So I thought thought it was a cool opportunity. I was like, go for it. Um, But honestly, until... We talked again, I think in Chicago about, you know, I was like, oh, what is your crew going to be like? 
and uh, you know, it, it was getting closer. Did I even I'll, have a crew at this point? I don't was think I like, so. do you want to be part of it? You, you were like, you're like, I think Ty's coming, and you know, it, it, I don't think we had a plan until like the day of, and even then, it was yeah. scarce. But uh, yeah, I, we were pulling the crew together for yeah, like, yeah. But the closer we got to it, I I was like, oh wait, he's like, he's actually got to do the race and he's been training for it but like how was the training so walk me through the training that chorus gave you a little bit obviously we don't have it pulled up and we don't need to go through everything but specifically how generalized was it how was it kind of adapted towards you living at sea level versus you know your race is starting at like i think eight thousand or ten i think it's ten thousand feet yeah and obviously you're going higher from there so what did that training broadly look like so it was broadly like a build up to about it was supposed to be a 72 mile week and then an 80 mile week and then a slow taper off yeah. of that like a 12 week plan so it was all mileage based no time on feet based so that's yeah. like most people that i showed the plan to they're like oh wow i'm surprised it's mileage based and not time on feet that's what i would have thought yeah. and the two longest runs were 22 miles uh so i was like man that leaves a lot of gray area you yeah. know for not running over that. And then obviously I ran a marathon. So I was like, okay, you know, still 74 miles of, of gray area to see like how I'm going to feel. Yeah. But it was the most I've ever ran. Like I was getting a good amount of time on feet because I was going slow yeah. in Florida, trying to keep my heart rate down. Uh, and I started a little bit early too. Like I probably started like 16 weeks out. Yeah. Cause I remember you had to like recycle some weeks. Yeah. Cause I was almost at like a peak week when I came out to you Yeah, and we, and we ran mm -hmm. in Colorado Springs and then I ended up having to redo that week and then like the peak peak week mm -hmm. again. So I got a little bit more training than like the plan the itself. <laughs> yeah. The trick <laughs> is to do like an extra four weeks maybe. Um, but yeah. yeah, so my heaviest week was 72 miles. It was supposed to be 80 but I just missed one of those Do eight mile weeks. you know what the hours was for that week? Hours, no. Yeah. Nah, yeah, I don't know. But I definitely wasn't running fast. Like, yeah. I was taking a lot of that because it was so hot. I guess so you hot. still probably cleared eight or nine hours, but not probably more than that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even like those 22 mile runs were taking me four to five hours. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's, so, yeah, that's back yeah. to so you I'm, probably I'm getting cleared like, like 10. I'm getting like eight miles week, week. in that one weekend yeah. or eight, eight hours in that one weekend. Yeah. So it was a good amount of time on feet, and I was dialing in nutrition a little bit. In How terms are you simulating of, the uh, altitude and elevation gain for Leadville? Uh, just hottest part of the day. Yeah. So I was just running at like 3 p.m., like 3 to 6, 12 yeah. to 3, and just suffering in the heat. Dude, I'm telling you, running in Florida, like, I, it's harder. It's maybe, maybe runners are making a mistake. They need to stop training in the mountains for these races, yeah. they just start training in Florida. That's the trick. <laughs> or a mix. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think Don, a mix would be amazing. Don was telling us while you were doing the race, like, you know, hey, I think Joey's doing better perhaps than we expected because the way altitude works and the way humidity and heat work, it's not the same. But there are some synergistic, like, benefits that you're getting from humidity and that heat exposure that are going to allow you to make up for the gap that you don't have with altitude training. Yeah. And so I think that's definitely what happened. And I know one thing that you did do that maybe you could speak on further is to simulate the elevation gain. You threw on the weight vest, did a lot of incline treadmill, which yeah. um, not to take credit for, I'm sure I'm one of multiple people, but I remember I referenced that to, or mentioned that to you specifically because a lot of people think, oh, I should do stair climber because the stair climber is going to be, it's going to be climbing and we're going to get a lot of feet. But people miss that one, the stair climber is going to work more 
quads and glutes when in reality if you do the incline walk on a treadmill you're going to simulate the running movement a lot better the hiking movement yeah and you're like pushing off of your calves a lot and differently two, yes the way that your calves and hamstrings work on a hike on an incline is very different than how they work on stairs yeah and in reality you're not climbing stairs on hope pass you're climbing an incline right yeah yeah i wish i would have done more honestly yeah. like i started doing it pretty consistently yeah and then it was just like it was tough because you're doing something because once it got like how long would you do it? Would it was it part of like your run or time on feet for the day or was it just an extra session you throw in i would make it part of the miles so okay. if it was like an eight mile thing or an eight eight mile like training run that day mm-hmm. i would do like seven outside or six outside and then i would do two on the incline Oh, and then okay. two at like, you know, two and a half miles an hour, 15 yeah. degree incline will mm-hmm. take, you know, a while, at least an hour, something like that. So I wish I would have done it more, to be honest. Yeah. But I felt really good on the inclines. Like I felt like I never really slowed down too much on the incline. But the people decline. were telling me the decline. And I was like, dude, I feel great running decline. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've never ran decline past, you know, 20 something miles. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know. But going down the backside of Hope's Pass, I was moving pretty slow. Like my miles were slow on that decline. It's the quad pain, right? Yeah, the quad pain. Yeah. And then like once your feet, especially like your feet are kind of, you're smashing your toes mm-hmm. into the front of your shoes and you start getting those blisters and then you, like your toenails are getting banged yeah. up. Yeah, I, I remember it from from my 50 Crested Butte. There was on this like second loop that was a really steep incline that was just killing me. And as I was coming down it, I was like, man, this is even worse hell. Yeah. Um, so I, I know I know what you're feeling. Because you feel like like you've been climbing for, you know, three to five yeah, you miles. Think this is going to be your And relief. you're like, I'm going to get to the top. I'm going to go down. And it's going to be like smooth sailing, cruising, like, you know, 10-minute miles. Mm-hmm. No. It's just hammering your toes. Last thing about training, how were you starting to practice your nutrition or uh, perhaps lack of practicing the nutrition? What were you doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I did during training, I only did gels. Like yeah. I never really did solid foods. I did mm-hmm. once I got like a muffin, like when I came back, Yeah. like I started splitting up my runs. Well, and it's hard to do, to be honest, because you have to almost make these makeshift aid stations like we did when you came to Colorado Springs. Yeah. Um, or, you know, or circle out back, back to your house. That's what I started exactly. doing. Yeah. So I did that. Like I would start because it was getting so hot. I, I think I called you on that one run. Yeah. Dude. One of my last runs. Well, let's touch on that real quick. <laughs> yeah. So you called me. It was only two weeks out from the race, I think it was. At most three. Yeah. And you call yeah, me. It was me, a few weeks out. You call me. You're on a two, 22 mile run. I think you're 16 miles in. And you're sweaty. You're like delirious. And after that call, well, on the call, you're, you're explaining how you're totally exhausted. Yeah. You're like cramping everywhere dude and this is only like two hours three hours into a run a 16 mile run in florida at sea level yeah and after we get off the call (laughs) i'm thinking this guy is fucked (laughs) he is so done three weeks out and he's struggling on a 20 mile run now granted yeah not everyone's perfect and yeah and i think sometimes you you could be in 200 mile shape but on that day, you underfueled or you messed up your sodium intake, your electrolyte balance, whatever it is, and then you feel like absolute dog shit, and you could recover from it. But after getting that call, I was like, "This guy, guy is done. We're just gonna have a good time there." Yeah, is that what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just, so that run, 
I was like, I plan on going 30 because I missed. That was the week that, right. that I was supposed to do 80. Because mm-hmm. um, I flew like all day, early in the morning to midnight. I landed back in Tampa and I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not doing this eight mile run right now because I know I got 22 the next day and I got 22 the next day after that. And I was like, you know what? I'll just add it to my Sunday 22 and I'll yeah. just make it like a really slow 30. But at least I'll be able to go further than I've ever gone. Mm-hmm. And I went out. I had my electrolytes. I had goose. I had my pack. I had two waters. I knew there was going to be water, like water fountains on the way. And, uh, dude, I got 17 miles in. And I couldn't hydrate fast enough. I mean, I was dripping sweat. It was probably like 100 degrees, mm-hmm. at least like with the humidity. And uh, I could not hydrate fast enough. I started cramping. My quad started cramping. At mile 17, I threw up. Yeah, my, I remember your stomach was killing my, you too. My abs cramped. I'm all alone on this trail in the middle <laughs> of the day. You know, It's like a, a, a bike path. Yeah. And uh, I, I walked to mile 22 and I called an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm done. I think I called you around like mile 18 or 19. Yeah. I called Diaz. I think I called Tyler. I was just starting to call my buddies because I was like, you needed I mean, a crew. You yeah, needed a crew. <laughs> I needed someone to talk to for sure. Yeah. And then I was at that point. I was so cr- I was just cramping, cramping, cramping. I was like, I'm not doing myself any, any good justice yeah. here. Like, I'll just call an Uber, rehydrate, and that was it. I think I just totally got behind on sodium. I didn't load up on sodium, oh. um, and I just didn't take in enough for what I was losing. Yeah. But and that's what really had me worried. Going into Leadville, I was like, how am I going to hydrate for this race? But it was a totally different situation. Yeah, so heading into Leadville, one question I really have, and it's something I've, I've thought about more, and uh, especially after you finishing, I think it was a question that really popped up in my mind, was where was your confidence and mindset going into the race? Because I think I've, I've told you this before, and I, I was completely honest with you. I was like, I'm hopefully you'll finish the race. I'm yeah. going to do everything in my power to help you finish the race. But I was like, it's going to be an uphill climb. It's going to be, it's <laughs> going to be an thing. unlikely thing. It's going to be, we're, we're going to be, we need ideal conditions essentially is what we need. And, uh, I, where was your mind at? Where was your level of confidence as far as I'm actually going to finish this thing? Not that high. Honestly, I mean, I am like, I'm confident. I'm confident in like my mental grit and I know that I'm not going to quit. Yes. Yes. So like I was confident there just like other factors would pull it out from you. But those main factors that were just pinned in the back of my head was nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I, am I going to be able to hydrate fuel, continue to eat for that long of time? And then I've had some Achilles problems. My knee kind of hurt sometimes. So I was like, Mm -hmm. at some point this Achilles issue is going to pop up. Probably some knee issue is going to pop up blisters are going to pop up. I'm like, am I going to be able, am I going to be hurt or am I going to get injured? Yeah. You know, over the 30 hours. Yeah. That was, that was my thought to, to clarify. Was it, it wasn't that, Oh, Joe, we just going to quit. Yeah. You know? It was that primarily what I told people was I was worried the nutrition either wasn't going to be practiced enough, which we'll get to about the, the preparation the night before, but <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you hadn't done any of these races before. So we were going off, you know, clean slate. We don't know how your body's going to respond to foods. We don't know how these PBJs or these different yeah. donuts or whatever you wanted, how that was going to work in your body. Uh, so I was worried about how the nutrition was going to work. So I, I was, I thought you'd have gut issues at some point. I was almost um, sure that you'd have some form of gut issue, which I guess you did a little bit early, which we can touch on. Yeah. Um, the sodium thing was going to be hard to track too, but 
I thought we had a good kind of grip on that. Um, the other thing was altitude. I thought once we get towards Hope Pass, you have the hardest climb, we have the steepest and, and highest altitude point of the race. I thought that that would just take the wind out of you, slow you down big time. Uh, but obviously it did not, Let's at least go. not enough. Not enough. Um, yeah, it definitely slowed me down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, understandably so. So that that's where mine, my mind was at. And like you said, I think fortunately, whether it was injury, nutrition, altitude, all these factors that we were worried about uh, didn't pop up. And that's sometimes yeah. the role of the dice with ultra races is you could be in peak shape to win first place. And yeah. yet you could roll an ankle. You could have gut yeah. issues. It could be a hotter race than it normally is that time of year. And maybe your stomach is is refusing to take in you know uh, liquid calories or solid calories. Like so many of these factors. And that's what makes ultra racing very fun and unique is because it's not just a marathon route where you're like, this is the terrain. This is exactly how I'm supposed to train. I know like what paces I should be hitting. Uh, we're going to have these gels and then I'll see you at the finish line in a few hours. Yeah. It's like you have this so in- many more factors. Yes. You have this entire day. It's, it's almost like you're configuring this puzzle and you're trying to find the right pieces at the right time and the right day. And, and you hope that it, it turns out right, you know? Yeah. So it's a little bit shooting in the dark with these races. Yeah, it. I feel like it came together perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I almost think I ran, like, the perfect race for, for me you. Yeah. on that day. Like, mm-hmm. fueling, like, early on, early on the race, it was like, I think I took, like, three shits in, like, 25 miles. <laughs> like, I couldn't, I was like, dude, this is a problem. Like, trying to find quarter <laughs> bodies. I'm on pace for 24 <laughs> shits. <laughs> oh, I did. This is, like, this is a real issue. Yeah. And, uh, and then, like, that started slowing down, and, like, I was able to get some solid food in. And yeah. at one point, like, running with you later on, I'll probably touch on, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't get the gels in as much. Yeah. I was just throwing up. I didn't even want to hear the word gels. Yeah, like, no, I was you didn't. A, <laughs> But then I was just like, but then you also have to think, okay, I don't want to eat this gel. Like this tastes disgusting at this point. This is probably my 50th gel or something crazy. Mm -hmm. But if I don't eat this gel right now in 30 to 60 minutes, I'm not going to have any energy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to like continue. Uh, So you kind of have to force yourself. And I started just like taking it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then taking a little bit of water, taking a little bit of gel, taking a little bit of water. And then it just kind of felt like I was drinking mm-hmm. water, but I was still getting in those calories. So you kind of have to like adjust and just figure out ways to, to get food yeah. down. And that's a good point, a good tip uh, for, for people that are heading into an ultra and thinking about, okay, how, how am I going to force this food down when I really don't feel like it? And sometimes it is like like we talked about and how you did in the race was just these little sips, little bites, and just – these little things, you know, you don't have yeah. to down a full quesadilla, just get in little grapes or little bites of this or that. Uh, yeah. Before we get to the race itself, night before, cruise in town. Yeah. We're having yeah. a good time, staying up way too late. Way too late. I'm blaming Diaz on that. <laughs> um, but no, we, we, we had a good time. We had some pizza the night before, got the calories up, carved up. Tell, tell me or tell the people, essentially, a little bit about the night before as far as planning and how I guess you envisioned the plan or the baggies and the drop bags and the eight stations to go. What were your, your mindset behind that or thoughts behind it? I had a really skeleton plan, as you saw. I shot you over notes like I guess a couple of days prior. Yes. You had an idea of I had an idea of like roughly what paces you were gonna try and match. 
Yeah. Um, and you had an idea of how many calories, which I believe is like 300 calories an hour. Yep. Yeah, 300 mm-hmm. calories an hour. So then I would kind of like had an idea of, okay, this is how many gels, this is how many like yeah. electrolyte packs maybe I should bring with me. But I didn't really know what I was going to have at the aid stations yeah. and then exactly how I was going to break it up and how we were going to you know, separate it in the bags. That's where you came. You're like, okay, we need to make yeah. bags for each every aid station. Yeah, so and I'll, like get this organized because it was like it was it was scattered. So I mean, I'll, I'll, I went I'll, to the store. I went to the store. <laughs> I brought donuts. Yeah, bagels, pea, peanut butter and jellies. There was cookies. enough carbs to like kill a family of four off of like diabetes or something. There, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't train with real food, I was like, I don't care. Like, I think I'm gonna want peanut butter and jellies. Mm-hmm. But what if I show up and peanut butter and jellies? I can't. I can't do it. Maybe I want a donut. Maybe I want a cookie. Maybe I want whatever. Yeah. Ramen noodles. So I just wanted options. Yeah. Uh, we didn't use any yep. of those options. But. No. I'll set the, the scene a little bit. So, yeah, we get to the, the crib, and you've got huge bags of gels ready to be kind of divvied up. You got yeah. tubs of electrolytes. We got, you know, uh, I brought my trekking poles, a bunch of other gear that you had, sunscreen, whatever, lay down on a table. It's all scattered. On the kitchen island, we had a buffet of food. It yeah. was, you know, donut, donut holes, pretzels, yogurt covered <laughs> pretzels, noodles. Yeah, we got the pretzels. It was everything. We had like 40 PB&Js that Kaimi like prepped. That I think we ate like three of them. Um, yeah, we, we we had too much food, but that's a better than not enough. Yep. Uh, so yeah, what what I basically did as as little experience as I have in the trail world, I was the only one with any experience. Yeah, um, for better for worse. And I just said, hey, we need to get these bags ready for these aid stations, so that once you know you roll in, we know exactly what to give you. Um, so I was going off my experience and also experiences, you know, of other ultra runners I've seen, heard, experienced, all that. And so, yeah, we started labeling these bags. I started talking to you. Okay, well, we're going to need three gels for this aid station. So, you know, start telling you, pick out whichever ones you want. We start divvying it up. Um, the other thing was just having in mind what you needed for as hydration for each aid station. So you and I were kind of going back and forth as far as, okay, by, you know, this aid station of that, by, you know, May Queen and Outward Bound, you're going to probably down your bottle. So we need to fill it up with this and that uh, and figuring out how much sodium you needed. Yeah. So should I bring, um, should I bring a handheld? Should I yeah, wear the back? Exactly. Which I, I, I talked you out of wearing the, the yeah. backpack, uh, the, what is it called? The uh, bladder, the bladder, basically. Yeah. Because I thought that was going to be a train wreck as far as. Yes, you've been training with it, but 100 miles with that thing bouncing around extra on your back weight. and extra weight, it was just yeah. gonna, it was just gonna probably kill. Um, so I'm glad I talked to you out of that. But yeah, just basically figuring out the details, labeling everything, so that I could try and get the crew together. Everyone knew what their role was as far as okay, Diaz, you're gonna grab his bottles, get all the gel trash out. Ty, you're gonna you know uh, walk him in from there. I'll you know throw the bottles down in your vest while you're sitting down. Trying to, again, get everyone on the same page, get everyone to know what they're doing, figure out those roles um, was what we were doing all, like, literally last minute. Last minute. And the last note like I'll say on the plan. 9 p.m. A buddy of mine uh, that most of you listening are probably familiar with, Jeremy, he was there to pace one of his athletes that he was coaching. And that night he sent me over a screenshot of all the details and kind of written out plan of his athlete, Daniel Flores. And how they went through like a test run of everything with the, his whole like family and crew like three times, and I <laughs> I was looking in the kitchen and it's just like Diaz dancing and like Izzy like laughing. Everyone's having a good time, and I was like, 
this is going to be a, a wild experience, you know? Yeah. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, definitely an inexperienced crew yeah. overall. I mean, I never ran an Ultra. Neither did Tyler or, or Tyler's, Diaz. I think Tyler's most was a half marathon. Yeah. Diaz had done a half marathon. Uh, I'd done three Ultras. And uh, Izzy, I think, had done like a like a 22-mile like trail or something, I think, in San Diego. Yeah. But still quite quite a limited crew, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it was like at that point it just felt like I was like we're, we're just going to have a good time. We're, like, we're all have having a good time. time. Like we're going to yeah. show up tomorrow. I'm going to do my best and like we'll we'll see what we happens. We had that we had that 16 seed mentality. Yeah. You know, nothing to lose. Exactly. Everything to win. Exactly. <laughs> but I was I'm also like hard on myself and I really don't want to fail. Yeah. So like driving towards Leadville, like I left Don's house, I was driving towards Leadville alone in my car and I was trying to film like all right, Leadville's tomorrow, and I just started crying because yeah. I was like, I, I feel like I'm so close to just failing, you know? Yeah. Like, you ever get that feeling like you're like, I'm gonna fail tomorrow, and like <laughs> I'm gonna let I'm gonna let all these people down. Like I've been training on this Koros plan. Like I was up the day before, or it's that that was the day. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I was man. like, I'm gonna be on this panel with the with the guy who won mm-hmm. Leadville last year. With like, I didn't know how many people were gonna be like watching that panel, but I was like. I felt like there was a lot of pressure for no reason because there is no pressure. There's nothing on the line other than me your not wanting to fail. Yeah, and your expectations, I think, for yourself. Yeah. So I, I was yeah. – I really did care, but I was also just like, screw it. Yeah. Let's just have a good time. So let's talk about race morning, okay? So yeah. first of all, we wake up butt crack of dawn, right? You know, it's – I think I got up because we had to leave at 3 o'clock, right? At the latest, at yeah. the latest. So the I think latest. I, I probably think left I like two forty-five. Yeah, no, the race, no, the race started leave, at four. We had to leave, I think, at three thirty. And the race started at four? four. Okay, then we definitely left at three. I don't know. I think I got up at like one forty yeah. a.m. Something stupid. Same, yeah, and, one forty-five, one fifty. Yeah, so making my fancy coffee, got going. Obviously, everyone else started to wake up. None of us got you know the best sleep, so that's no. expected. But the funny thing about the morning that I don't know if any of us have really talked about was heading to Leadville, the car had nearly no, no gas. gas. <laughs> it had just enough miles to get us there, not more than five extra miles. And then the mileage disappears. And then the mileage it's disappears. Like 40, and then it was it like, you have low. 42 miles left. And it's like, you know, 37 miles left. Mm. And then it's just like low. And I was like, Ah, we'll make it. Yeah, and I, right. I was like, hey, let's just pull over real quick. I see a gas station right here, and you're like, no, no, just get me there. Just get me there. Like, we're, we're tough on time. So uh, that's what we did. Unfortunately, it worked out. But it was just – it was a perfect example of how unprepared we were. <laughs> you know, the last yeah. minute last night preparing for the race, divvying up the bags, and then now the car barely has enough gas to get there. And then uh, – Even packing the car. I was like, do we have to the leave car, at like – we have to leave yeah. at two forty-five, and then I don't. And then I, I think it took us like an extra fifteen minutes yeah. to get out of there because we were packing. Well, like, and on top of that, even with the packing, which leads us into the next point, the we, we forgot a few things. You know, we we we, could, we forgot a few things, and, and by the I time didn't we realize got, that, yeah, yeah. Well, at the time, I'll pause on that point because it'll be more relevant in a second. What when it comes back to the start line, what? Where was your mind at? What were the emotions, the the feeling, 
what were you thinking as that gun goes off as you're surrounded by a bunch of other jittery runners? Yeah, I mean, at that moment, I'm just trying to convince myself and, like, tell myself, this is going to take 30 hours. Yeah. Like, so stay Settle calm. Yeah. Like, try to, like, stay calm, keep your heart rate down. I'm so used to, like, other events where it's like, let's get hype, you know? <laughs> so even on the, the drive there, I'm like, just, like – Try to sleep yeah. on this drive. Try to keep your heart rate super low. And when I get there, but obviously the nerves are hitting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to take, you know, photos at the start line. I'm I'm meeting up with Mike. Thankfully, like when when I knew I was gonna run with Mike for mm-hmm. the first, you know, so long, I was like, this is good because I know he's been planning and he had this like really good pace plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just thinking like, stay calm. This is gonna be a yeah. really really long day plus some yeah so race kicks off supposed to meet you at the first aid station at may queen and we weren't there <laughs> yeah and the reason you for guys that i think is... you guys texted me you're like we're not gonna make it yeah <laughs> and i was like all right <laughs> yeah you had a good like, attitude right. of it fortunately oh, it was the first funny. one and not like later on but yeah. the reason is they implemented some new shuttle system where uh, the shuttles are supposed to you know, take you from basically the start line-ish area to May Queen. You're not allowed to park over towards May Queen, all of that. Yeah. So we went over there. The line was 30, 40 people. Because you and, guys had to go get gas. But even without that, it was a long line. And we're, yeah. we're asking people, like, hey, like, when's the last time you've seen a shuttle bus? And they're like, oh, it's 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh. Because then I'm doing the math, and I'm thinking, okay, 20, 30 minutes, let's say, till the shuttle comes back. Then we got to ride the shuttle there. It's going to be an hour. I was like, will we even make it on time? It was an hour shuttle. Well, like an hour from us waiting for a shuttle, and then yeah. the shuttle driving to you. Okay, okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of doing the math in my head, and then a shuttle pulls up. We're like, okay, cool. Like, maybe we can get on this one. But it's tiny. As it turns the corner, we realize, oh, it's a short little, like, church-sized Shuttle bus. It's not like a yeah. like a school bus. It's a short bus. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, people are piling into it as quick as they can. And we're like, okay, shit. And we start thinking about it. We're like, we'll catch the next one. So as we're thinking about catching the next one, we're waiting. It's dark. It's cold. Some people walk up and they go, oh, like, is there a line? And I, I go, no, nah, there's really no line. Like, we're just waiting. And this a-hole <laughs> beside us goes, oh, yes, there is a line or something like that. And I looked over at him. I was like, "Okay, okay, really? You know, like because there, there really was no line, and yeah. tension was there, was already rising." You guys were in the front of the line at this point. There isn't kind of? really a line. It was just people just standing in this general section. Oh. There's no formal formal line. Just oh, this you guy. You would think there's this, a line. This guy was basically just declaring, "I'm gonna fight you onto this bus." You know, my runner's more important than yours. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I one, I don't even know if we're gonna make it. Two, I'm not dealing with this you know, egotism uh, yeah. or egoism. Um, so we said, screw it. Let's text them. Let them know, hey, we're not going to be the first one. Try and uh, spread out your gels maybe a little bit more. Yeah. And we'll meet you at the second one. And that's what we did. So we get to Outward Bound. And I, at that point, I was like, all good. Because I was with Mike. Yes. And Mike was like, I'm not even Dan, having my Dan, crew. And Dan, I think, was roughly with you guys, right? A little no, bit ahead, no, maybe? No, I, Dan, Dan was way ahead of us, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see Dan until until that second or third okay. aid, aid station. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I'm not even having my crew meet me at that mm-hmm. aid station because it's just going to be a quick one. We're only going, yeah. you know, another 11 miles after this. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, like it'll save me time anyway. Sure. I won't sit at this one anyway, whatever. So I didn't care that much. I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. I'll see you guys in the next one. I'll grab some gels 
at that first aid station and, mm-hmm. and be on my way. Yeah, so we get to you come into Outward Bound. We get there probably, I don't know, two hours before you roll in. So we had plenty of time to do a little photo shoot, a little yeah. side hop that you we were got doing. Some sick photos. Yeah, and so we were, we were having a good time. We got settled. People were rolling in, and we're seeing everyone. You know, the highs and lows of different runners, different crews. We're seeing some crews very relaxed. Other ones, a runner comes in just like cursing out their crew chief, and we're like, all right, you know, really? we'll see how this goes for sure. Really, dang. And um. And so you roll in, and well, first thing you got to do is take a shit. Oh so, yeah. So explain a little bit how you felt, and for people's reference, or for reference for people, this is about twenty-four miles into the race, yeah. give or take. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about how you were feeling at that point. I mean, yeah, I just really had to take a shit. I mean, I think, I think like, I, I think I took a shit that morning. Like I had some coffee, but I didn't want to yeah. take in too much caffeine, so I took one that morning. But I think it was just. I mean, at this point, well, your stomach was hurting you too, right? Yeah, my stomach was hurting. Yeah. Like I needed like a t- toilet like fast, and there's like the porter potties, <laughs> and there was a couple on the way, like yeah. in route, but they were all taken. And I was like, well, I don't want to stop and wait on this one. Like I'll keep waiting until I you get never there. Know. Uh-huh. So right when I got there, I was like, dude, I gotta go. And then I felt I felt pretty good at that that aid station mm-hmm. after that. Um, yeah. But, so yeah, you rolled over after your. Your great time on the uh, on the toilet. You yeah, try to over. make it quick. <laughs> yeah, try to make it quick. Came over, and uh, we got you refueled. But this is the point I was talking about where we didn't pack properly. And what I mean, and you probably didn't even notice, was besides the taste. Yeah, we didn't have Dude. water, so we had we had enough water in my flask, my personal flask that I uh, I poured into one of your bottles. But the other bottle was like half water, half power lift, and. And Diaz had the idea, like, oh, let's just use Powerlift in his bottles. It's got electrolytes. And if you think about it, okay, I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. But I was like, Joey hasn't been practicing with Powerlift. There's other chemicals and different things, natural or not, in Powerlift that we don't know how they're going to react to his body. All these different factors. I was like, he's, and he's just going to want water. So I think I was saying, I want cold water. Cold water. <laughs> like, that yeah. was my whole thing. Like, so, <laughs> I want cold water. That's yeah. it. So one of your bottles probably tastes like shit because it had some flavored electrolytes in it. It had power up. And then the other one was normal. It then, tasted really bad, dude. <laughs> and I mean, we, and I love power lift and I love the electrolytes that I was using, but it was like. Mixed together, though. But mixed yeah. together, I was like, this is, t-. I didn't know what it was, <laughs> but I was on my way and I was like. This is terrible. Yeah, so I would drink a little bit. Flavor? I would drink a little bit of that one, and then I would drink <laughs> whatever was like good yeah. on my right one. I was like, "What is this?" So crap? we completely underprepared, did not have water, and uh, that that definitely cost us a little bit. So what we do, which made it even more of a of a wild ride for the crew, was after the aid station, we send you off. You're in good spirits, like you said. I was feeling great at that. So one. we're yeah. we're confident. We're like awesome. Joey's in good spirits. He's feeling better rock and roll i think you had a pbj there so we're good yeah and we know the next one we're going to get you at is twin lakes which is about 40 miles 41 miles into the race so what we realized we have to do is we got to book it back to the house which fortunately twin lakes is south of leadville so it was actually closer to where the airbnb was in Buena vista and we stopped back there refuel problem is we got a little too comfortable we yeah. uh, we were we were kind of laying on the couch hanging out a second not too long but longer than we should have and uh, and I was feeling good on that stint of the race, so I, yeah, I was so moving a little faster. Yeah, so you started to pick up the pace more than we thought. So yeah, because at that point I just started running my own race. Like I think mm-hmm. I, I left Mike around like yeah mile twenty seven or something, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, I'm feeling good. Like I want, I want to run some some of these, and then uh, so I started moving 
mm-hmm. pretty good. Like at that point, like that whole stint, I didn't get passed once. Like mm-hmm. no one passed me from – I was just like passing people. And I was like, holy crap, I feel really good. Maybe I should slow down a little bit. But I knew – it's I, a pretty I, good section. I remember running the reverse way back with you. Yeah. Thinking about it moving in the, obviously, the forward direction. It's a pretty runnable section. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And then, yeah, I figured, I mean, when I, I texted you guys, maybe this jump ahead a little a little bit, mm-hmm. but I texted you guys like two miles out. Yeah. So no one texted me back. <laughs> that's the predicament we were in was we left essentially going to be right on time or a little bit before when we anticipated you to meet, to, to come into Twin Lakes. But then you text us two miles out when we were maybe, I think we had just parked, but there was this huge backup of cars, of course, to Twin Lakes. And there was fortunately a shuttle that went and picked us up. And you said two miles out. And we're like, oh, this shuttle isn't going to be getting to the aid station, going to you know get there in time. So we all go, shit. So we jump off the shuttle. We leave Kaimi there with this cooler (laughs) that she can't carry by herself. And Ty takes off like a superhero. (laughs) He he starts sprinting. Kind of like, have you ever seen, I don't know which Pixar movie it's from. I feel like it's like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It's like that black cop that's like running with the sandwich on his back or something like that. I don't know why I've seen that. It's Anyway, he's got this ice mule on that's probably 40 pounds on his back, and he's running, like, hard, sprinting almost. And I'm running behind. I have my backpack on. I think I'm holding something, too. And so I'm trying to keep up pace. I'm, like, bouncing left and right, like, jostling a little bit. Yeah. And uh, and then Diaz is, is along with us as well. I think he got ahead of me. And so three of us are sprinting forward. We've never been to this aid station. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know how close you are. We don't even know if you've actually already been to the aid station. And I text Andrew Shelley because he's with you know the ten thousand guys and Dan's crew and all that. Yeah. Like, Where are you guys at? And he's like, Oh, I'm by the uh, the time you know marker basically. And so I have no clue where that is. I get close and I basically it it pivots off to you can go right or left uh, along the entrance of this Twin Lakes of love, like the trail essentially. It kind of a uh, yeah. And Twin Lakes is a party. I mean, there's so party, many people there's there. There's so many people and. So I go right and then quickly realize, oh, I don't see the tent here. So then I have to run down left. And again, we're freaking out. We're like, all right, you know, we got to get set up. We, we don't have any of these things ready. We don't have his bottles ready. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, we find the tent. We get set up. You still came in maybe maybe like seven minutes after Dan, um, something like that. So we fortunately were ready. We had yeah. the stuff. Uh, and, and, and that worked out pretty well. Yeah, because I, I I mean Tyler met me kind of right right at the entrance, mm-hmm, yes. and then we and ran together together down through, yeah. and he had I think he had some water. Yeah, and someone gave me like a popsicle. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, it's a party, and this was a there was two points in the race where I my my attitude and confidence shifted, and it was Twin Lakes because I was like, okay, he's forty miles in, he's really positive. He's looking and feeling better than most of the runners that I see. I'm looking around, judging people how they're looking in their tents and their chairs. He's feeling good, looking good. Nothing's bothering him. His stomach's doing better, and if anything, he's you know building into the race. But there's this big climb coming up. Yeah. And I was like, here's Hope Pass. Here's going to be the make or break point. And uh, you know we're going to see how he handles this, what he's made of, all this. 
And then the other point where I was going to kind of reassess was coming back to Twin Lakes. Uh, before we get to that, I think an important point and part of the folklore behind this race is Unknown Runner. Yeah. And the story behind that, or I believe it's technically Unknown One Runner, right? Something like I that. Mean, or Unknown Runner One. Or... Unknown Runner Runner One, something like that. Yeah. But the story Which behind... I still don't understand because I checked yeah. in under my name <laughs> and like... Yeah. So the story behind that is... We didn't know where Joey was the entire day because his tracker wasn't working. And yeah. so there's live tracking for Leadville where each time he ch- uh, tings into a uh, aid station, we'll get a little update. Like, okay, this is a split time. This is him at May Queen at, you know, whatever, a couple hours. And so when did you guys figure out you couldn't track me? Like, when did you start trying to track me on? I think when we were trying to catch it outward bound, we're like, oh, we don't, we can't see where he's at. Okay. Uh, definitely towards Twin Lakes, I started to realize something was funky because I was like, okay, I can find Matt Johnson, I can find Dan Churchill, I can find Mike Adal, I got you know, Harkins, I find all these people that I knew were doing the race. Yeah. But I could not find your name. And I looked up your name, I looked up your bib, I looked up Joseph, I looked up everything, and I was like, this guy's not even in here. And then it got me a little bit worried because I was like, damn, what if he does the whole race? And he has no tracking proof of doing the race. Yeah. And I mean, you have your watch, but I was like, I don't want him to be screwed out of a buckle because of a stupid tracking thing. Yeah. And again, to your point, you checked in right. You're literally there with Coros, which is like one of the sponsors of the race. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. So And it was like, you you want your bib? What's your name? Yeah. Joseph Mucha. Oh, here's your bib. Yeah. So I knew my bib was under my, my, my name. But people were, I mean, I saw Matt Johnson mm-hmm. and he was like, dude, he's like, I thought you didn't make it to May Queen mm-hmm. or whatever. Like somebody told me that you were already out of the race. And I was like, no, bro. <laughs> I'm like, alive. I'm alive. Yeah, so that's the story behind the moniker of Unknown Runner is because finally, I think after you were almost back from Twin Lakes, so coming through it the second time, coming down Hope Pass, someone clued us in and tagged you on a story and was like, hey, we found him. He's Unknown Runner 1 or whatever it was on the live tracking and from there forward we had a good idea yeah. but up until that point i was using mike dan these people that were generally around you as points of reference to kind of estimate when you would roll in whether you had made it at all to the next aid station what time you did whether you dnf'd trying to figure that out uh which leads us into hope pass so yeah. like we mentioned this huge climb uh, i think off memory it's like 2,000 feet steady uphill on two or three miles of that section. And then you come back down a bit steeper section into Winfield. And then you got to hit that back. Uh, yeah. The front side was like the incline. It was a little, it wasn't as steep, but it was longer. It was like five ish miles, maybe six. But then mm-hmm. the back side is like three, but way steeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Hope's Pass was. Brutal. Thing. Well, another side note too that's worth mentioning is we sent you off with the poles. Oh yeah, but we didn't have the headlight. Yeah, and so one of us realized that real quick, and we're like, "Oh shit, where is his headlight? Where is his headlight?" I, I, I was like, "Damn it, I, let me give him mine." And I was like, "I have mine. I know where mine's at." So I grabbed mine out of my bag, and uh, Darian with Koros ran over. grabbed it and sprinted towards you. And he was like, "Yo, yeah," he said, like, "You're gonna need this." And it's middle of the day, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, it, like, we'll, it was pretty bright out. It was maybe uh, four o'clock, maybe three, four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. three, four o'clock. I forget what the cutoff was at, at Twin Lakes, but I was like, I looked at him like, "I'm gonna need that." 
like it's gonna be dark when I get back because mm-hmm. I, I was like, this is the last time I'm gonna see you guys. Yeah, like I thought like I was gonna see you at you know that next aid station or whatever, um, and I'd have time. Because well, in theory, but that's you a just long go step. out and back. Yeah, but it's a really long out and back, not because of the distance. The distance is only like 11, 12 miles, but the incline makes it more like a four to six, seven hour turnaround. Well, because like it's from that. mile 38 to 62. 40 to 62. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a 22 mile out, uh, total. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's so slow. I mean, some of my miles were you know 30, 30 mm-hmm. plus minutes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize that he was like, yeah, you're going to need this. So I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And you guys are showing me how to use the poles again. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. no, you got to wrap the hand like this. So I'm like, sweet. Mm-hmm. So we were still kind of figuring it out at that point. Like, Were you starting to second guess yourself midway or near the top of Hope Pass? A little bit. I, I remember getting up towards the top of Hope Pass, even just the front side. I was like, this is where – I left What Twin was Lakes. getting you? Quads, hams, calves? Um, Not – Or just bodily fatigue? Just bodily fatigue. Yeah. yeah, at that point, I was just like – I knew my miles were getting a lot slower, but I also knew I was around a bunch of people that seemed to be doing fairly the same. Similar, yeah. So I was like, I feel good, but I just started getting, like, emotional. Yeah. I don't know, at that point. Like, Comes out Yeah, it's just, like, starting to hit – so I'm just like climbing and getting up towards the top of Hope Pass. I was starting to get a little bit, you know, emotional. And then I saw like Jeremy up there and you all know, the alpacas. Them. Yeah, all the alpacas. And I, you know, just started eating some ramen noodles mm-hmm. and some Coca Cola. So I started feeling good up there. And then going back down, you know, going down the backside of Hope's Pass, I couldn't really run very well. My feet really started to kill me. The the blisters, I could just feel them in an instant. Like mm-hmm. it's weird how you could feel a blister just pop up all of a yeah. sudden. It's not like a gradual thing. It's just like, oh my there. gosh, yeah. I have a blister on my big toe on on the inside of my big toe. And then really slow going down, and I knew I was cutting it kind of close going into the fifty mile mark, mm-hmm. the turnaround point. And when I got there, I knew I only had like I guess like an hour or something. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to turn around because I saw my other buddy. He's like, I'm done. He's like, I'm not going to make it. I think I'm getting Mm -hmm. rhabdo. And there's a lot of people that are either quitting at that point or that are turning around real quick. And like, I have to go because we were getting pretty close. Yeah. And I pounded four Coca-Colas, three ramen noodles. The essentials. Yeah. Yeah. And then it brought me back to life. And one of the guys, one of the volunteers was like, no, bro, you can make it. You just got to leave like right me now. 17 duck cups. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you were. And at. I was like, boom. At that point I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it. Yeah. I'm going to do the best I can. Turn around and start ripping. So I want to stick on that point about a lot of your friends, your buddies, your peers dropping out at that point. Yeah. So that was really, obviously the, the toughest section of the race 22 mile section super steep highest altitude and you're 50 miles 60 miles into this race and so some of the people again that i was using as a reference point were dropping out so i'm like updating it i see so and so dnf that you know uh hope pass or winfield then i see someone else dnf and then i'm not seeing any time code on this other person and then i'm looking at the clock and i'm trying to figure out did Joey make it? Because again, we talked about how prepared Mike was. Um, some of these other different athletes that live at altitude, 
prepared probably longer than you and, and possibly even on a higher like mileage or time on feet level to where and had more experience with ultras. Yeah. So it wasn't any dis- discount on you or your ability. It was more just, hey, we know the ability of these people. Yeah, like they've at least done 50s before. Yes, yes. We, we know what they're typically capable of, and they've dropped out now. So where is Joey at? And we were yeah. so in the dark, which is the cool factor of the unknown runner, right? Yeah. And uh, so where was your mind at? When you start to see a lot more people, you know, heaving and DNFing and, and you know, pale as a ghost, where, what were you thinking? Um, at that point, like, I started seeing them, obviously, at that turnaround point. And then I kind of made the decision, like, okay, I'm definitely going to try this and mm-hmm. turn around and go. Like, I'm not going to quit. I made this cutoff. I'm definitely turning around. And then as I turned around and started heading back up the backside of Hope's Pass, I started seeing people like Adam Clink. He was coming down. I was like, how, how, like, how are you feeling? He's like, I think I have rhabdo again. Yeah. Like, then I saw Dan. He was limping. He just rolled his ankle pretty, pretty bad. And, um, uh, I don't know if I, then I saw maybe Harkins, Mike. I think dropped around there. Mike Harkins. And yeah. Mike Adala. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if, I, the guys like, if I saw like where they were and if they were going to make the cutoff. But at this point, this is where the most people quit. Yeah. Is at yeah. that 50. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, I wasn't in the mindset of ever like I'm going to quit, but I knew things were getting really hard. I was, everyone was getting quiet, you know, even on the trails, like early on, everyone's talking, Hey, how you doing? How you feeling? Yada, yada. Mm-hmm. At one point, I mean, we're on the backside of Hope's Pass. There's probably like 10, 10 of us like stacked up right behind each other. Mm-hmm. No one's saying a word. I mean, it's just complete, utter silence, mm-hmm. and it's just a steep hike. And I was just thinking, like, this is this is the death march. Like, yeah. this is serious, like, such a gnarly death march experience. Yeah, it's like as the sun sets, the mood and the vibe starts to get more somber. You totally. Know? It starts to get a lot more dreary and, and serious. Yeah, and that was behind this one guy. I At this point, I, I ran out of water. And so I'm, I'm freaking out, too, because I'm like – I'm thirsty. Mm-hmm. I don't really want any more electrolytes. Like I just want water and I'm right behind this guy. And I keep thinking, I got to ask this guy. Cause I know he's got some extra water. I was like, but I don't want to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cause it's a like, sacrifice dude, for him, for him. Cause mm-hmm. we're still a few miles away from the aid station. At some point I'm like, dude, I don't care. I was like, Hey man, uh, do you have any extra water? Cause he just took something out of his bag and he was drinking and he did. And he had some extra water. I was like, oh, my God. So he gave me some. And I at this point, I was, like, crying, too. I was like, dude, you saved me, bro. I was like, I don't think I would have made it without you. And then I get, get back up. I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name. I think it was, like, Jeff. Oh, I think okay. it was Jeff. Jeff or Greg. If you're out I don't there. Know. If you're out there. He yeah. saved He saved me. And then, uh, and then once I got up to... Hopeless is that the, the name of the AF station on top of Hope Hope's Pass? No, it's just called Hope Pass, not Hopeless. Oh, okay, is it's that how you felt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hopeless, pretty much. But I was up there at this point when I got to that aid station. I was just, I mean, the the, the volunteers are awesome. Like the aid stations at that race are amazing. Obviously, I've never experienced anything other, but it's a rock star race. Yeah, they are so willing to help you, and I'm just like. I'm just weeping, crying, and they're filling up my water. I'm just handing my water out. They're filling them for you. Mm-hmm. He's handing me ramen noodles, handing me Coke. And uh, that was a really good, like, 
I needed that in that a moment. Pick me up. A little pick mm-hmm. me up. And then me, Jeff, and another guy who I'm blanking on his name, we all, he forgot his headlamp. Mm. So we were kind of lighting up the trail for him. And then we just kind of ripped down the trail together. And at that point, oh yeah, at that point, I think you guys were hitting me up or texting me and I called Tyler and I just yeah. was crying, talking to Tyler. He's like, how you feeling? I was like, I need my feet hurt. <laughs> I need tape. I really want water. Like. I forgot. I was well, like, it's oh. funny because he told us you were emotional. He didn't tell us you were like bawling. I was bawling. Yeah. Yeah. At least, yeah, from what I can remember, I was like bawling. I kept telling the guys, I was like, I don't know why I'm mm-hmm. so emotional. They were like, dude, this is insane. Just PMSing down the mountain. <laughs> yeah. But then I got down to you guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, you guys were there waiting forever. So, I mean, what was that like? I mean, you were waiting for like <laughs> nine hours. Yeah. So we, we didn't know. You you were going to make it in the first place. We we because we didn't know the tracking. We knew you had gotten. I guess yeah we did. We did know that you got into the fifty, but we had no clue when you were going to hit O Pass. We had no time. We had no clue really what to expect. So well, when did you guys start hearing about everybody else falling out? Well, it kind of ties back to your first question. So yeah, we were there for like nine hours at that Twin Lake, and at that point, I was unsure. I was like, should I? take a nap now because i was going to be the first pacer yeah and i was like should i take a nap now because we're going to be up through till like 2 a.m but part of me was like is he even going to make it or are we going is he going to like dnf and then we should just kind of sleep tonight should i even bother no way <laughs> yeah. and uh so i was trying to judge that a little bit i ended up sleeping for like 15 minutes i just wasn't that tired and i think the energy was so high it was still yeah. pretty bright outside so we hung out at this coffee shop for probably six hours Every once in a while, we'd get something, and we just sat on this, like, wooden porch, basically, this deck of it, and, um, you know, we're joking around. Me and Ty did a little bit of work on our computers. I watched a little bit of UFC, you know, just, nice. just killing time, killing time. And so we were trying to, again, slowly figure out, is he going to make it? If he is, when is he going to make it? So as the night falls and, and, and the sun's down, it's dark, we're getting over to the tent, and we're getting kind of ready for you to come through because of Ty's call, we knew you were close. So me and Ty kind of walk out a little bit down the trail to kind of run you into the aid station. And we see, all we see is headlamps. You know, it's pitch black out there. All we see is headlamps coming in. So each time we hear some, you know, rustle of dirt, we're like, Joey, Joey. It's like, nope. Yeah. Nope. And someone's like, who the fuck's Joey? You know? <laughs> Everyone's know. doing that too. There's other people like. Yes. And honestly, we heard this one person. I was like, that's, that's Joey's voice. Like, I know it. And then he comes close, and I'm like, squinting. Nope, not him, not him, not him. Yeah. So I think... It was like, what, 9.30? It was late. 9, 20. I was probably hearing things at this point. <laughs> but uh, eventually, and, and I'm checking the clock. Yeah, I remember it was like 9.15, and the cutoff was, I think... Uh, the cutoff was 10. 10. was 10, yeah. So I was like, okay, like he's definitely probably going to make it, but I was like, how much time are we going to have? We are trying to figure out that. So then you come in about 9.22, I think, is when we got you at the trail. Finally saw you. Uh, you weren't crying, but you were in good spirits. You were a little emotional, a little choked up. Yeah. We ran you into the aid station, and uh, from there we had a lot of work to do. So Ty went to work on your feet. Um, you had some blisters. They weren't as bad as you thought they were. Yeah, they felt they probably really felt bad. bad. And I think like it, you can't really tell because like they can't blow up. Yeah. Like like after when I took my shoes off, even after it was like, oh, they're not bad. But then the yeah. next day it was like they were like yeah. these huge bubbles. First of all, they feel bad. There's there are blisters and sometimes they're not huge blisters, but they're still really uncomfortable. Yeah. And the other thing too is your feet 
are definitely naturally swollen. For so sure. They, they, they feel like shit regardless. Yeah. So, so he went to work on your feet. They taped them up and yeah, body Diaz was up. getting the bottles in. I was uh, trying to orchestrate a little bit what people need to do as well as, you know, I had my vest on and my stuff ready to rock and roll because if I'm pacing you, I need to be ready to run as well and have yeah. fuel for myself. I can't be bonking. <laughs> I think know, we had like pacer. 16 miles or yeah, something. Yeah, we had it a was long a decent... section. It was about, I think it was 15 or close to 16 miles. Yeah. And it was from that 9.30 till about like 2 a.m. So you had yeah. like five hours and change of running. And uh, we left at about 9.30. And so that gives us about like a 30 minute cushion. And it was really good that we ended up making a lot of time pacing together because you finished, I think around like nine thirty or around like nine thirty two AM the following morning at like 29 hours, 32 minutes. So it's like, yeah. we made up time we needed and For it's sure. always good to have that cushion room. So we roll out of twin lakes headed towards outward bound, or I guess at that point it's inward bound. I get mixed up with the names. Yeah. But Anyway, we're headed back there, and uh, we have a, a bit of a steep kind of climb back over uh, out of Twin Lakes, but then it's mostly a mix of slow inclines, slow declines, a little bit of flat, and at this point, you told me explicitly, we're walking any flats or <laughs> inclines. You're like, we're walking these, and you know we can jog some declines. I said, okay. Yeah. And and my mentality pacing, first of all, it felt like ninth inning closer. I felt like a relief pitcher. Bases are loaded. David Ortiz is walking to the plate. <laughs> I'm Mariano Rivera or something like that. <laughs> I was jittery. I was excited. I felt like I had a chance to uh, really like play a role in your race, like really yeah. get in the ball game. You know, I feel like I got a chance to actually – put my foot to the rubber, get on this mound and, and, you know, throw some pitches basically. And so I was really amped up. I was really excited. You were probably ready to run. I was ready to run. <laughs> I was ready to run. I was excited. I, was like, I will say the funny thing though is, you know, those 15 miles ate me up more than they should have because we ran or we barely ran most of it. But it was because one lack of sleep at two standing that yeah. entire day and all the walking we did and carrying stuff, my legs felt a little heavy. Really, but generally though, I was amped up. I was excited. I felt like a closer coming in. Like, and I, I mentioned earlier in this podcast, this was the pivotal point where I was like, "He's actually going to finish this race." Yeah. I was like, "If he gets in at Twin Lakes, which at that point you'd come in," I was like, "He's going to finish it." We have, I don't know how many hours left in the day. I guess it was like another twelve hours at that point. Twelve hours, and we had another thirty-eight miles to go. All we got to do is maintain like a twenty-two minute pace on average. So that's like walking if we only walked all yeah. we had to do was average that and i was like this motherfucker's gonna do it he's gonna get it done yeah and so i think everyone's sentiment and and like mentality everything everything everybody perked up basically everyone's mood the vibes perked were up. High. They were like, vibes were why, like we're like oh like we're really gonna do this so we gotta like get ready we gotta bring it home and so amped up like i said steep incline out there and my attitude as a pacer was trying to gauge where you were at mentally as far as do you want to not talk at all? Do you want to just stay quiet? Do you want jokes? Do you want distractions? Do you want banter back and forth or do you just want me to kind of keep talking? Yeah. You know, trying to gauge where you were at because I think that's something that's really important to figure out is every run is going to be different and also at different points of the race you might want something different. So like maybe you and I were talkative 
but with Ty, you had sections where you're like, I don't want to hear anything, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and also, so that was one thing I kept in mind. The other thing I kept in mind was let's try and point out little landmarks or little sections where we can make up some time. And I think especially like the mid chunk, we did a really good job of that, of like, hey, from here to that runner in front of us, let's jog. Yeah. Or here from that land, you know, that, uh, that tree over there, that flag, let's jog. And so we get in these little really short 20 second bursts where I would just start counting down 20, 19, 18. And just, you know, you and I are just shuffling, just getting a little bit. And it, it's not much, but it does add up. It does keep you For moving sure. at a higher pace. And I think it, it also probably keeps your legs alive a little bit and gets you closer to the point where you're running more. Yeah. Um, and just gave us that cushion that like mentally, yeah, we made up 30 minutes total. Like mentally yeah. I really needed, I think, especially in like, um, the stint with Ty and then mm-hmm. the very, very end when it was getting really close where I like, I couldn't run. I was like, yeah. dude, I, I can't run do anything. while you can is a, exactly that's the, the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, that that worked out really well. Those little stints of running. Um, Where were you as far as both with me, Ty, and Diaz as far as did you want to talk at all? Did we get annoying at some point where you're like, I just want quiet? Was the distraction always welcome? It was a slow taper of like in the beginning, like we were talking the UFC fights. Yeah. You were like, should I look up the Sean O'Malley fight? fight, I was like, oh, dude, hell yeah. yeah. That was great. At that point, I was still like – I still had some energy. Yeah. And you were more alert too. Yeah. I was more yeah. alert. And then it was like with Ty, like we were talking to a decent amount. Um, but yeah, with you, I was like, I still had some good energy, but towards the end, I was, I remember at the end, like going into the aid station, you were like, let's run this last little bit. And I was just like, no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, you no. got a little bit more. Like, uh... I can't. I was like, at that point, like at certain, like, yeah, towards the end, you of got more scent. cranky the last mile. Yeah, yeah. I was like when I kn- not happening. The point that I knew I I needed just kind of shut up was uh, when you were gonna have a gel, and I was like, ooh, another gel, <laughs> and you were yeah, I was making like the sound like it was tasty, like <laughs> I was like, and you were like, stop, dude, stop, I'm gonna puke, and I said, okay, okay, dude, I kind of left you alone after that. Yeah, um, I was like, dude, I was like, don't make any of the noise. I don't want to hear you say gel. Because I was getting really nauseous yeah. like when it came to the gels, and I didn't want to throw up. Because I knew once I had like some throw up, it'll just keep in my mouth. Yeah. Then it's gonna be really hard to eat That's something mm-hmm. or wash out. So I was like, I was really like, oh man, I don't want to throw up. And I was just getting a bit down. Mm-hmm. I didn't really take, I didn't drink any caffeine, like the Celsius. I don't think at Twin Lakes. I think I waited till I got with Ty. Yeah, or we didn't have caffeine because that was. So there was, I think, three things I told them to get you. One was caffeine. I think they had some like uh, energy drink, a Celsius or something like that. Yeah. Two was a, a uh, jacket because oh, it yeah. got really cold really fast. Really cold, really. Yeah. I was shivering. Yes. And then uh, the third thing was uh, some warm food, broth, soup, anything like that, some solid foods that you could get down. Because yeah. you and I noticed, both me personally, but definitely you, at the aid station, the ramen was hitting. It, gives you, it gives you solid food calories. It's easy to get down. And it's warm, and it's got the sodium. Everything was good for that. Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. Yeah, because then that that gave me at least a little boost mm-hmm. when I got with Ty at uh whatever, whatever, it whatever was. that that aid station's called. Yeah. So let's dig into those kind of last moments a little bit. You mentioned once you got to, with Diaz, and more later on, 
you were starting to feel a bit more nauseous because it, when we were getting to the aid station of, of May Queen, we were all conked out hard at the car. Like it was, I think at this point it was maybe 4 a.m. Uh, Diaz had to pay soon, so he had to be a little bit alert, but we were exhausted. You know, it had been like a full day plus for the crew. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. It's a whole journey for you, but it's a journey for us too. For I mean, sure. We're up just for staying up that long is 26, tough in, it, seven hours, in itself. Yeah. But yeah, so, that stint with Ty, I mean, there's some good elevation. I totally forgot about the, ele- like, the elevation line. at Powerline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember we got to that one. It's like, I mean, you're trying to hold a 20-minute pace, but mm-hmm. when you're trying to do that uphill at mile... 70 80 that's really hard you know mm-hmm. so i was just like really trying to power through that and me and tyler were talking a, a decent amount but as it got harder i got quieter <laughs> and then yeah. and then there was a the whole confusion between yeah, what the cutoff time what the was because somebody told us it was six and at that point and then tyler's watch i wasn't even looking at my watch because it was under my mm-hmm. jacket and i was so conscious about where my energy was going that I didn't want to even reach over to move my jacket to check my own watch. Mm -hmm. So I was just letting Tyler do it. And then he was like, dude, we have two miles and we have like, it was getting really close to that six. Yeah. I think even if it was, cause yeah, someone was telling us it was, I think, I think the confusion was it in reality was 6am, but we were thinking it was 530 no, in reality, it was a, it was six thirty. Okay, in reality, it was six thirty, and we were thinking it was we six. Were thinking That's it was what it was. six. Yeah, so I think either way, you would have cleared it, but the six was going to be really. You tight. You would have made it by like six minutes, you know. Yeah, it would have been really, really tight. Yeah. And so at that one point, like we were kind of at that point where I was like, I can't really run, mm-hmm. and then Tyler was like, "Dude, the cutoff's at six. And he turned around and he was like, "Do you want to send it?" And I was like, "Fuck it." <laughs> I was like, there's no way yeah. like I'm not making it now or not at least trying to try to run. Yeah. And we were like running down these kind of technical like terrain sections. And then we reached a couple and there's other people like walking and not that stressed out. And we we're like, dude, what what's the cutoff? They're like, no, it's six thirty. They're like, you guys are fine. Like you're you're gonna make it. And then I was like, Oh my god. That really and then his watch was like, Oh no, we only have like point nine miles where we thought we were like two miles out. Oh. And so it was like Two things that we were kind of confused about, and then it was like a sigh, you know, yeah. it was a bit of relief yeah. getting into that aid station. So at that aid station, I downed about three hot chocolates before you even came in. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I said, we were, we were all really exhausted, but definitely once you came into that, we're like, he's going to do it. He's going to finish. I mean, you had another like 11 miles, 12 miles. You could easily walk it in. The sun was coming up. It was warming up. All the vibes were good. Uh, and I think really the only last hiccup that you had there was closer to the finish line. You were swelling up, yeah. Um, but also you nearly fainted, I believe, right? Yeah, I was just getting really, really dizzy. Yeah. Like I kept having to like close my eyes and reopen them, mm-hmm. and I just I felt like my forehead was growing. Yeah, like I was like, what the heck's going on? And I kept telling Diaz, and I was like, dude, my my head hurts. Like mm-hmm. something's going on. I was like, dude, I can't run. Like I see, I can't run at all. I'm getting really dizzy. And at one point, I was like, "Dude, I need you to stand like, or we need to hike like right next to each other because I feel like at any moment, I can, I can pass out. I, I don't like, it doesn't happen yet. Like to where I got, you know, stumbled or anything. But like, I feel like it can happen at any moment. 
But you guys never told me that I was swelling up. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea what well, was going on. Well, we didn't know until we saw you, but then when we did, we were kind of cracking jokes about how you were puffy as shit. You looked like you got stung by a bee and your abs were gone. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of that. Yeah, it was but, just, you know, I think... Me and Diaz had a pretty quiet, quiet last, <laughs> at least like the last six months. We talked a little bit, but it was like... Well, he seems like a pretty stoic, kind of quiet guy anyway. When he gets some shades on, men yeah, in black yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. But a uh, little electrolyte imbalance. I think we got lazier with the fuel the closer we were to the finish because you're like, oh, it's just 12 miles. Like We don't need to stress the sodium to be exact where you want it or the water to be exact. Yeah. And, so and I, think I, I think what it was too is like we kept the sodium pretty constant. Yes. And then at night where it got cooler and I was sweating a lot less, I maybe could have consumed a little less sodium just straight water. Yeah, I don't know possibly. That, if that would have helped me or That me. or also – you were taking a lot of ramen noodles too. I oh, think we yeah. forget about so that. So a lot of sodium with there that. Were, there could have been a way more sodium in the ramen noodles now thinking about it. And also the Celsius maybe had a little bit of sodium too. Yeah. I forgot about that. That that might have been part of it as well. But the last question about the race itself I have is the emotions on that last 100 yards. Because walking it in with you and with the crew and everybody, I was emotional I got a little teary. Yeah. I was ecstatic about the whole situation. I was proud of you, proud of everybody. I remember my jaw was like jitter shaking because of like the adrenaline that was pumping in my veins at that point. Yeah. And it was something unlike I've experienced before. Uh, How did you feel being the racer? I'd say, I mean, even that last little bit, I was still like squinting kind of out of it. And I would hear people like, I didn't know who it was like on the side. Like, it yeah. was still some, some people from the BPN team are like, Joey, yeah. Joey. So like little things were kind of bringing me up and like, it was great. Like having you guys walk me in and had just being able to talk to you guys and joke around yeah. because of, I was all fluffy and stuff. But then the emotion really hit after I like ran that last, you know, 40 feet. Yeah. And then, was hugging everybody and then I'm just like crying because <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm very I'm like emotional because like holy crap I did it mm-hmm. holy crap I can stop mm-hmm. like <laughs> I don't yeah, have to it was like relief and achievement anymore. all at the same time yeah and then like everyone else like just there like the the, the feeling of like all the support from everybody was just like amazing mm-hmm. and uh, it was just an incredible experience like coming through that that finish line because well, it's something you think about and kind of dream about and, and you, you hope it happens but you think you're gonna fail because you don't know if you prepared yeah. enough so then you're like holy crap yeah I you visualize it. visualize visualize but then it's even if it works out better than you think it's always a little bit different right? like how it how you how you look you don't have the abs you thought you did yeah, yeah. and uh, i'm gonna look sick <laughs> coming through this finish yeah, line. yeah it, it always ends up a little bit different but yeah even besides watching you finish Seeing different people finish, old, young, um, some looking strong, some looking broken, coming to the finish line. I saw this one uh, dad coming with his daughter. I think he put her on his shoulders, and I, I started crying. I had to like lean away from Ty <laughs> to Andrew because I started because because I was thinking about you know my kids like one day and, and what that experience is probably like. And um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a wild ride. I think that race specifically brings out a different kind of emotion and quality and just special feeling in the air that not every race has but every hundred i'm sure has a similar 
sentiment that just floats um, in the energy, you know? Yeah. And it probably sounds so silly to other people, you know, they're Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, cool. Like, yeah, you finished this race. Like, but it really does take a team and like, you're all running on no sleep. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it just gets emotional. It does. At the end of something like that, even though there's, there's nothing really on the line. Mm-hmm. other than just wanting to achieve this thing that you know is extremely yeah. hard. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing about ultra running is what makes it so special is even finishing, I don't know, 200th place, like nowhere near yeah. the winning. Nowhere near winning. It's just a win. finishing is a fucking war. Oh, 100%. It is a battle, and it's, it's extremely emotional, and it's life-changing, and it changes how you perceive yourself, how – how much you believe in yourself, what you know you're capable of. And yeah. as much as I respect in marathoners, it's a it's like a different sport. It's, it's like different. you're they're both running, but one not only requires a lot more, like demands a lot more from you, your team, all of that to get to that finish line. Yeah. Yeah, it's a totally no different where you finish. It's it's such a different race. Mm-hmm. Like a sub three marathon is extremely hard yeah you know it's a shorter distance like a really hard one mile yeah is extremely hard but you know 100 miles it's it's harder in certain ways and it requires such a yeah. team and uh yeah, it's not like a comparison of like which one's harder per se they're like different yeah. hards right yeah you know, totally like a different. like a one rep max squat is different than let's say doing a really intense weight for 15 reps, right? Yeah. And like they're impressive in different ways. You know? Yeah. Coming through that finish line and like finishing that race. Now that's something that I can pull from for the rest yes. of my life. Yes. Like being able to pull, even recently on like, I went on like a six mile run mm-hmm. and I was trying to hit, it was like a tempo, like trying to hit a certain pace. And I'm just like, man, I'm getting tired. Like mm-hmm. my legs are hurting. Am I going to be able to make it? I'm like, you're able to pull from those experiences and be like, no, no, you got that dog in you. I was going to say, like, you got that dog. <laughs> yeah. that you got that dog in, in you. You ran 100 miles. Yeah. Like I was in such pain for that last 40 miles with just like everything that I'm like, I suffered for mm-hmm. like 12 hours. Like now I can suffer for 30 minutes or like I can get in the cold tub, yeah. you know, in my plunge and suffer for three minutes and just think about, okay, it was way worse. Yeah. It gives you it gives you a point of reference, and it it gives you that point of relativity where you can go, okay, well, if I suffered this bad here, if I hurt this bad and still overcame it, yeah, then what I'm experiencing, what I'm dealing with now, is is nothing. It's like a you know a chink in the armor. Yeah, it's really nothing at all. And uh, I I think that's the same takeaway I've gotten too from one of my fifty ultra or one of my fifty milers, one of my ultras, was there was this point where I thought I was gonna miss a cutoff, I made it in time. And there was like this switch that I flipped where like I went single track mind. I'm going to finish this race head down, adrenaline up, Coke down (laughs) and, uh, and, and just like, you know, the adrenaline opened up my lungs and I just went. And now whenever I'm in a hard spot, I'm like, that's in me. That's like somewhere. Yeah. You can, I got that dog in me somewhere and I can do this. I'm going to need to pull that out. When I do 100, which leads me to my next question, which was after this race, yeah, after a month from it, do you have any openings or aspirations for another ultra or 100 miler? 
currently. No time. No time soon. No time soon. Yeah. I mean, definitely not within a year. I think there's just like other things that I want to check off the box. Yeah. You know, like I'm obviously I'm from New York City. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm going to do that at like a record time. I just want to enjoy that. But eventually I do want to do a fast marathon. I want to go sub three. Um, I want to do a, a half Ironman and a full Ironman. I want to do a MMA fight. Um, and then after that, I just want to keep doing hard things and new things. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I do see myself eventually probably doing another one. <laughs> like, yeah. Before I was like, never again. But I'm going to be doing endurance efforts for, you know, I'm 28 years old. Like yeah. for, for years and years and years. And I feel like there's going to be an opportunity to do another one at some I feel point. Like I'm going to say when yes. you, uh, as we were just talking about it off camera, like pace me at Bighorn. I feel like you'll get the itch. Yeah. You'll be like, this is kind of cool. I feel like I should do one of these again. Yeah. Cause it is such, just such a cool experience. I mean, yeah. like that's probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my entire life, mm-hmm. you know? And some people will probably look, you know, listen to this and they're like, you're a lunatic. Yeah, running you know, for like, 29 hours? Like, how, how is that a great experience? How is that fun? Yeah. And it's not that it's fun. Like, I don't really find running fun, but it's just the ability to push yourself and see how far you can go. Yeah. And then just take that and mm-hmm. run with it for the rest of your life and just be like, now I can say for the rest of my life, I did the Leadville 100. And no one can take that away from me. Yeah. When, when, when you do the, the, the Bighorn 100. Or what, is it Bighorn? Bighorn Hunter. Bighorn yeah. It's like no one could take that from you. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Yeah, I think. It's cool. Valuable memories and experiences have to inherently have a sense of uncertainty. A sense yeah. of I don't know or possibly I don't even think I can do this race. And then once you do overcome that doubt and that uncertainty, the sense of self-esteem the confidence the self-belief it it really changes how you view yourself as we talked about and you can't get that through regular things you just can't get it through a really fun happy-go-lucky experience it kind of requires a suffering emotional long treacherous doubtful type of journey yeah that's how you're gonna get that yeah, no, that's so true. The best true. stories don't come from things going well. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean you're 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 also just creating these experiences. And like in those like now some of my best friends are you guys mm-hmm. that I've gone through that with because mm-hmm. it was just such a cool experience. Yeah. And when then you share it with people. Yeah, when yeah. you share it like through you know, wrestling back in the day, really hard times, you know, good buddies from that mm-hmm. flight training, going to airline training, you're all kind of in the grit of studying and just like kind of going through a tough situation. Mm-hmm. And that's what brings people closer. Yeah. And just like doing these things. Like now when I go pace you a bighorn, that's going to be a whole nother experience that we can yeah. talk about yeah, forever share, yeah. and yeah. share. And, uh, I don't know. I'm going to want to do and create more experiences yeah. down the line. Yeah, we'll do it, man. Well, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all Joey Muccio. Yeah, J O E Y M I U C C I O. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, if you guys enjoy this podcast, 
Give it a like, share it with a friend, subscribe to the show, all that. Obviously, give Joey a follow, check out all the stuff he's doing, talk him into another ultra. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Let's go.